Good morning. If you choose to travel a journey with us here at Exchange Church, you would soon discover the central message of this church is focused on Jesus, his life, his death and his resurrection. We have been given God's word, the Bible, which is the fully inspired word of God from beginning to end to guide and direct not only our lives, but also this church. What this means to us is that we believe the Bible is the truth in that it is fully true and without error given to us by God. The Bible is a revelation to understand who God is, who we are, why we are separated from God and how we can come back to a loving, restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. To some people listening now, you might think, this sounds strange, in that what do I mean Christ died on the cross for my sin? Why in the world would I need a saviour? I live a good life, I have money, a good home, a good family. Why would I have any interest in Jesus Christ? Stay with me today. Today we are entering the book of Colossians in which Pastor Todd has been walking us through over the past couple of weeks. This is the third message in the series. The focal thought today is Jesus is first in all things. By the end of this message, you will understand your great need for a saviour and how God in his abundant love for you sent Jesus to die for your sins so that you could have eternal life with God instead of facing eternal death with no hope at all. If you are a Christian, but for some reason have lost your direction in Christian, your Christian faith, then I'm also talking to you today as we focus on Christ being first in all things. Be open today in allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Be willing to grow and enter into a deeper relationship with our Saviour, regardless of any circumstances that has caused you to take your eyes off Christ. You might be thinking, where am I delivering this message from? To those visiting with us today, this is not where Exchange Church meets. We meet at the Shepparton Senior Citizens Club. I've been graciously allowed to use this church. This church has many connections to both my and my wife's side of the family, which goes back many decades. To bring a message to you today to a congregation I can't even see is a very unusual event for myself. I am here today in a familiar environment, imagining I'm directly engaging with you, looking into your eyes with sincerity to bring the good news about Jesus Christ and the gift of his salvation he has for each of us. Let's now go to the message as we open God's word to learn from the letter Paul who wrote to the Colossians. Before we open the scriptures, let us pray together. Lord, we come to you now. 
Lord, we want to be open to hear your word. Lord, I pray for hearts to also be open to receive each verse like a sweet fragrance into their lives. And more so, Lord, we pray that these words won't just be words, but will cause us to action, to cause us to deepen our relationship with you. Lord, I also pray as I work through these verses, Lord, that your word be spoken, not my word. Lord, we commit this to you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Okay, we're continuing on at the series of Colossians. Pastor Todd has already done two messages on this book, and the plan is he's going to be continuing to finish off the entire book. Now, I'm dealing with today verses 15 to 23. Verses 15 to 20 is often known as a creed. What's a creed? It's a statement of belief. What they used to do when they received scriptures, they would commit them to memory. And especially verses 15 to verse 20, that is dealing specifically with who Christ is. It's a very powerful statement of what we're about to read. And they would commit that to memory. Let us now open the word. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, or things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister." Just a little bit of revision. Paul wrote this letter when he was in jail in Rome. It's estimated this is around AD 61. A good friend of his, Ephorus, came to visit him, not only to tell Paul about what's happening in the Colossae church, but also to come under his teachings to learn more. Now, when Ephorus came and spoke to Paul, he was sharing about the good things and also some troubling things. There was, at the time, some false teachers that were coming into the, te- into the church and they were teaching false beliefs. Just a list of some of these beliefs. You know, God is good, matter is evil, Jesus is less than God, secret higher powers above scriptures was needed for salvation, Jewish legalism, circumcision for salvation, amongst many other ceremonial requirements, 
There was observation of false rituals. There was worship of angels. It just went on. Now, how was Paul to deal with this? Was he to write a letter and state each of the false beliefs and then say, well, this is wrong because of this and this is wrong because of that reason? No. Paul wrote the letter detailing who is the authentic Jesus Christ so that when any false belief came along, you could match it up to the authentic and you would know it was or was not of Christ. Now, it's interesting. We have currency, money. There are people trained into identifying the counterfeit. And how do they identify the counterfeit? Are they trained in the counterfeit money? No, they're trained in the authentic notes. They study them with minute details. So when they know what the authentic is, when something false, which is not authentic, comes along, they can pick it out immediately. This is what Paul was doing. He was declaring the authentic Christ so that we would have no doubt who Christ is so that when the false came along, which happens today, we would know whether it's true or false. Let us now go and explore verse by verse this reading. Verse 15 to verse 20 is known as the preeminence of Christ. What is that? Well, it's Christ is first, first in all things. We're going to expand on that as we work through these scriptures. But just so you understand, when I say Christ is first, what I'm saying is that he is not only just first, he is of paramount rank, he is of highest dignity, he is of the highest importance, he is the first and the most important in everything. Christ is first. Let's now start working through each verse one at a time. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. How do we know how God is? In How do we know how God responds to people that are sad, people that are grieving? How do we know how God responds to people with pride or people who are mourning from the loss of a loved one. How do we know all these things? We know this through Christ. God came to earth as Christ to reveal to us the heart of God. Christ is God. John 3, 38 declares, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. Jesus has come so that we will understand in a relationship way, God. The second part of this verse says the firstborn of all creation. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that God created Christ? Not at all. False teachers come in and say, well, obviously Christ was a created being like the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's not true. If you go back and study to what it means for firstborn, actually go back to the Greek. I am no Greek scholar, but I do look up things. You'll find that firstborn is talking about position, not firstborn from the womb. A couple of examples. 
Think of Jacob. He wasn't the firstborn out of the womb, but yet he held the firstborn position. Think of Isaac. Isaac wasn't Abraham's firstborn, but yet he received the status of firstborn. Biblically speaking, the firstborn position receives the inheritance of the father. Do you see the connection that's taking place here? All that is God belongs to Christ. Christ is the first position, the firstborn. He is number one. And all that belongs to God is Christ. Paul is telling us that Christ has all authority as well as first over all creation. Being the firstborn position, Christ receives everything. Here's a part which is just fascinating for just us, what we receive as well. If we look through the first chapter of Ephesians, you'll find that there is an inheritance that comes to us as believers. So what is Christ is also passed on to us. And if you look back, and Todd dealt with this verse last week, verse 12 of Colossians chapter 1, it talks also about the inheritance that we receive. Let me just read that verse again. This is back to verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. We share in the inheritance of Christ. Let's now go to verse 16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And for him. Let's just think about this. Christ created everything, and everything is for him. Have you ever taken creation for granted? Just listen to some of these statistics. We live in the galaxy called the Milky Way. The Milky Way holds up to 400 billion stars, just like our sun. There are also up to 100 billion planets in the Milky Way. Now, if you go from the centre of the Milky Way out to the end, it will take you 53,000 light years. We can't travel it that fast. But if you could, it would take you 53,000 light years to go from the centre to the end. There is estimate that there is up to 100 being galaxies like our Milky Way. Doesn't this just blow your mind in trying to comprehend the vastness of creation? There was one point where scientists declared we've found the end of the universe. But had they? A few years later, I read another report and it was saying how, well, actually they think we've just found the beginning of it. It just goes on and on and on. Have you ever thought about gravity? Gravity that holds us here. Gravity is perfectly balanced on this earth. We take it for granted, yet it won't squash us and we're freely able to move around. It's perfectly balanced. It's interesting, but when I was looking up a science review about gravity, there was a scientist who declared this. He said, if we are honest, we do not know what gravity is. In any fundamental way, 
the only thing we know is how it behaves. There is so much we don't understand about our universe. And I wonder with this, with gravity and how scientists don't know that there is a connection coming up, and we'll get to that in a minute or two, into verse 17, when it talks about how Christ holds everything together. I wonder that our gravity and everything is being held together by Christ, that he is our gravity to hold us together. Let's go on. Have you thought about the moon effect on the earth? The moon holds our planet at the right axis. If we didn't have the moon, we would go around the sun and we would have a wobble as we go. The axis gives us the seasons. It's also understood if we didn't have the moon, the earth would tilt up to another 78 degrees as it goes around the sun. Once again, in God's creation, everything is balanced. Everything is perfect. Our ecosystem, scientists believe without bees or frogs, we couldn't sustain life. To our atmosphere, the oxygen is a thin layer around planet Earth. Without it, we can't breathe. What about the ozone layer? That protects us from the sun's radiation. We just take that all for granted. I was reading another report to deal with science and they were talking about the most complex thing within the universe. And what was that? The human brain. And I find that interesting because it's the human brain that we're able to communicate and have a relationship with God, that we're able to understand who God is, to be able to commit our lives to him. From the depths of the oceans to the distant stars to just the minute cells just within our bodies. In all his glory, everything was made for Christ and through Christ. Christ is first. Verse 16 explains where everything came from. In one verse, we can understand everything, that everything came through Christ, all of creation. Christ's glory is shone in creation. Let's move now to verse 17. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. When it says, and he is before all things, this is another declaration that Christ is first. You will hear me encouraging you to place Christ first in your life. Irregardless what you do, Christ is first. Verse 17 continues saying, and in him all things hold together. Now, I made reference to this verse just a couple of minutes ago. Scientists do not understand how everything is held together, how the body is held together, how objects are held together. What's the glue that fits everything together to keep everything sustained? Verse 17 reveals that to us. And in him all things Hold together. It is Christ that not only has created everything, but holds everything together. This is revealed here. And not only all things were created by Christ, but all things, all things 
from the furthest stars, we talked about the universe, to the minute, just the minute molecule and atom in our body. They're all held together by Christ. And this is Christ's common grace across humanity. Everyone experiences the power of Christ. Verse 18 goes on and says, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. Paul uses the body as an example of Christ's position in the church. He says he is the head. The head is the part of the body that controls the body. It is the one that gives life direction and life function. And Christ is the head of the church. What this is saying as a church, as exchange church, Christ is our head. Christ gives us direction. Christ is who we submit to. Christ is the head of exchange church. The verse goes on and says Christ is the beginning. And this refers to the source of everything again, that once again Christ is first. When the verse declares that he is the firstborn, firstborn from the dead, what does that mean? Let's just think. Does that mean he was the first raised from the dead? Remember Lazarus? Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. Christ also raised others. So what does it mean that he was the firstborn from the dead? Well, when Christ rose from the dead, he would never die again. Life eternal. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, his destiny was death again. Christ is the firstborn raised from the dead, raised from the tomb where he conquered death as an example for us so that we would know our path for believers. Then the verse declares that in everything he might be preeminent. Once again, the mightiness of the Lord, the authority of the Lord is preeminent over everything. Christ is first. These verses, verses 15 to 20, are known as the preeminence of Christ. Well, what happens is Paul is making a transition from this section to the next section. Paul is focusing on the preeminence in declaring who is Christ. Why? Because when you know who Christ is, you will know when false teachers come along declaring a false Christ. Paul isn't expanding out and sharing with us all the different false believings here on Christ, he is teaching us the authority of who Christ is. And when you know who Christ is, any false teachings will be known and discarded. Christ is first in everything, paramount in rank, highest dignity, highest importance, being first place of importance over everything. Revelation 22:13 declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Once again, Christ is reinforcing. He is the first, he is the end, he is everything in between. He is at the beginning of creation, at the end of creation. Christ is first. 
To be a Christian, you must have Christ first in your life. First in your marriage, first in your workplace, first in your life challenges. When challenges come into your life, do you turn to Christ first? Christ needs to be first in all aspects of your life. Verse 19 declares, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Was Jesus fully God? Once again, false teachers want to move us and think that he's that created being. Just so no doubt exists, this verse reveals that Christ and God are one. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased and dwelled within Christ. Christ and God are one. Verse 20, And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Now the word reconcile here in this verse means either change or exchange. This verse declares how a broken creation, and that's with sin that has entered the earth, has been restored by Jesus. And how did Jesus do this? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What this is saying is that Christ exchanged his righteousness his perfection, he is perfect in every way. He exchanged that, all of that, for our sin. And at the same time, we exchanged our sin for his righteousness. So for the believers in Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Christ and his righteousness and his perfection. Genesis 1.31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. All was perfect. Everything was perfect in creation at Genesis 1.31. And then as we move along to, to verse um, chapter 3, sorry, when we move along to chapter 3 of Genesis, what happens is sin enters the world by us. His perfection is destroyed by us and our sin. And then we come to this verse. Now in Colossians 1.20, we read, he was first, not only in creation, but he was first, and this is very important, he was first in the restoration of creation through the work of the cross. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, is, it is the power of God. The ultimate power of God is displayed on the cross. To the person being saved, this makes perfect sense. In all his majesty, in all his glory and all his power, he chose to go to the cross for our sin. We could do absolutely nothing to save ourselves. There was zero hope of us ever 
having a relationship with God. There was no hope we could save. But Christ, in his righteousness, in his perfection, went to the cross so that we could be saved. Now, Paul is moving the reader to verse 21 and 22 from talking directly about how about Christ and how he is first to directly speaking to the people in the church. And you, this is verse 21, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Verse 21 is talking about our past. It's acknowledging that we were evil. Nothing in our condition could bring us to be saved. We were hostile to Christ. Our relationship with God was more than broken. It was totally destroyed. We could have no relationship with Christ or God. It was destroyed. Then Paul directs us to how Christ brought us back to back peace within creation, back into a restoration of creation in that how Christ substitute our sins and died on the cross. Verse 22, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Once again, this is the promise from the living Lord. God cannot lie. This is the promise, the restoration for those whereby Christ has died for and we acknowledge those that acknowledge Christ, the salvation that is available to us. If you don't know Christ, what I'm about to say is the most important thing you need to listen to. Please listen. Christ exchanged his righteousness for our sin. To the believers in Christ, to those who accept Christ as their Lord and Saviour, to become disciples and to follow Christ, We have exchanged our sin for his righteousness. This is how the relationship with the living Lord is established through Christ and only through Christ. There is no other way. It is Christ, Christ first. Now, Paul takes us to what the mark of a legitimate believer is. This is in verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul gives us four traits of a true Christian. The first one being continuing in the faith. Next one, being stable. Next one, being steadfast in the faith. Next one, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. A believer is consumed by Christ. A believer is consumed by wanting to follow him. Then Paul continues in verse 23, speaking about the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus to all people within creation. Creation yells, Christ Creation just yells it. And here's Paul committing his life as a minister to proclaim the gospel. This is our responsibility as disciples of Christ to be able to proclaim the gospel message, the good news of what Christ has done in coming down 
to take the substitute of our sins so we can receive his righteousness, so we can have that relationship back again with the living God. Do you remember Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23? That's talking about when Peter was walking on the water. He hopped out of the boat. He walked on the water towards Jesus. Then there was all these distractions and he started to worry. He started looking away. He took his eyes off Christ. What happened? He started to sink. Today's message, the proclamation that Jesus is first in all things. He is first in creation, first in the restoration of creation. He is first in the restoration of those who put their lives in the hands of Christ. And here's where I have a question for you. Are your eyes on Christ? Just like I just said a minute ago about Peter. Are your eyes keeping on Christ? Have you bowed your knees at the cross? The reality is there is only two paths in life you can go. Do you choose to place Christ first and follow him? Or do you choose to live your life as if you're a God? One path has the destiny of life. The other path has the destiny of death. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you now and Lord, we praise you for this scripture. We praise you for understanding who Christ is, how he is preeminent over all things. He is the first, the end, the alpha, the omega. But Lord, we come to you and I put out the challenge, is he first in your life? Lord, I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit onto people's lives, that, Lord, they will bend the knee and want to place you first. And that's really to two people here. There are people listening to this who really don't know who Christ is. Lord, I pray that they bend the knee and bow to you at the cross. And for those who are discouraging or going through a struggle within life, I pray that they can evaluate, are they keeping their eyes on you? Like Peter, did he look away? Are we looking away? Lord, give us the guidance, give us the wisdom, give us what we need to keep our eyes centred on you. And I know that's an act of will on our part. And I pray that the people listening to this now will choose as an act of will to keep their eyes on Christ. Oh, Lord, we praise you as creator in all your majesty, which is beyond all comprehension. But, Lord, we worship you as Lord and as King. We praise you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Every time we open the scriptures and delve into them, we are continually confronted with the question, how will you respond to Jesus? Today's study confronts us directly as Jesus is first in all things. The obvious question is, is he first in your life? I'm talking to two different people today. Firstly, 
If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Saviour, then I'm talking to you. Then I'll be talking to you if you are struggling in your faith. Firstly, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Saviour, there is nothing more confronting than Romans 6.23 in the Bible. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The first step to being saved is acknowledging you are a sinner in a desperate need for a saviour. For without a saviour, your destiny is death. Romans 10.9 reveals the following. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can't approach Christ with pride, thinking I'll split my odds, in that I'll stay a worldly person doing what I want, but I'll also take the free gift of salvation. The study of the Bible reveals it's all in to receive the free gift of salvation. You can't pretend with God in having a half-hearted attitude with him in the hope you will be saved from your sin. The reality is, once you have received the free gift of salvation, you desire nothing else but to be all in with God and to repent of your sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 declares, Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know where you stand with God, then today, not tomorrow, is the day you are being called into God's kingdom. I don't know what's happening in your life right now as you listen to this message, but I do know if you are honestly seeking the Lord, questioning where you are in life, then please make contact with us. Exchange Church is made up of real people, just like you. Don't remain a stranger. We have pastoral people who want to make contact with you. Contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. I would like to talk to you now if you are struggling in the faith as a Christian. I obviously don't know the circumstances as to how you arrived at this point. But what I do want to do is point you towards John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Travelling the road of Christianity can at times place us on on a discouraging road. What you need to ask yourself honestly is how you arrived on a discouraging road. Did you go through an event in which you said, Lord, don't worry about this, I can look after this situation? Or did your Christianity go stale because you got caught up in the busyness and the wilderness of life and chose to neglect growing in Christ from the Bible and not putting Christ first? If you are sincere in wanting to restore your relationship with the Lord, then please spend the next day reflecting on Matthew 16 verses 24 to 26. This is what it says. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Allow John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. With this reading that I've just read from Matthew, speak to your heart. Repent if you need to repent. Ask forgiveness if you need to ask forgiveness. Get real and choose to grow in God's word, the Bible, which has been given to us. Turn back to Christ in all ways like never before and have a passion for him like you have never had. Christ is first in the restoration with your relationship with God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away your sin. What can make you whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah.
often in a message, it might have three main points for you to take away. I want you to leave from this message with no doubt that there is only one point in today's message. Christ is first. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away your sin.